1: I'm not sure who's had more
3: jobs, Seton or Pauly. Or who's had more interesting jobs, Seton or Pauly. But, like, Seton worked at the airport. Yeah. He was a postman. Yep. Okay, those aren't
2: exciting. Delivered flowers. Yeah. I was a security guard. I worked at a pharmacy.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but... Paulie was a bouncer.
1: Yeah. DJ at a country western nightclub.
3: And you sold beer at Scottsdale Stadium. Gosh, is that not the dream? I know. Miller Light. I could use one right now. Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Light. Tastes like Miller time. Miller Lite, get it delivered to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that you're playing something from the cure as we're trying to cure what ails college football. That's exactly what I was thinking. Thank you, Marvin. Thank you. We were just reminiscing about the Big East. Remember? Obviously you do if you're a sports fan. Big East. Best basketball conference ever. And then what dismantled the Big East? All of these schools, well, Connecticut, you know, you want to get that football money. And, and then all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, Georgetown doesn't play football and Villanova doesn't play football. You, you had these Big East schools. St. John's doesn't play football. You had the perfect model for, hey, this is a basketball conference. You want to play other sports in other conferences? Go get them. And then I saw Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports. He wrote about, how about football conference? Can we do that? Because other schools, you know, Notre Dame will play independent, but uh, they're going to play basketball in the ACC. But they may play a couple of ACC schools. Like, why do we have to do this? We thought we'd bring in Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports columnist, New York Times bestselling author. Okay. How do we go about this, that it seems logical that you have a football conference and then maybe you have basketball conferences? Why can't we do this?
4: Okay, well, the first thing you got to remember about college athletics, no one is in charge. (laughs) There is no one driving this boat. There's no Roger Goodell. There's no Adam Silver. There is an NCAA president, but that's just a figurehead. There are a whole bunch of fiefdoms. So even a good idea that literally everyone agrees would make sense, no one thinks Rutgers should be playing Oregon in volleyball. Nobody thinks that. Yet, here we are. You mentioned the Big East, a very interesting example of this. University of Connecticut, four national titles while they're in the Big East. Then they go play in the AAC because of football. They're trying to find a home for football. They're still playing good basketball teams. Houston, Memphis, things like that. But they're no longer in the Big East and they lose touch with the recruits in their area, New York, and all that. Yeah. They give up the AAC, return back for basketball in, in the Big East. Who's your national champion? Connecticut. It just makes sense sometimes for certain leagues, let alone all of your Olympic sports. There's no uh, hockey does this, right? Hockey East has teams from the ACC the Big East, the Atlantic 10, they have uh, FCS, like one A teams. They have Division II teams. It's okay. It works because it's just a hockey league. Nobody really is paying attention. Yeah. But for all these other ones, we just can't do it because no one can go, guys, what are we doing here?
3: Let me give you total autonomy. Where do you
4: start? for this For this problem? Yeah there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot on the checklist. <laughs> let, let me just do
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah let's uh, okay. just stay with football realignment, just football schools.
4: Yeah, I would actually probably create um some kind of like uh regional there's actually one out west called the Mountain Pack um that handles sort of these excess sports that not everyone does beach volleyball, water polo. I would probably create some like regional six or seven regional kind of umbrellas that handle those areas. So let's take the state of Texas, right? You pretty much just need Texas college athletics. And then if it's football or basketball, you want to travel all over, knock yourself out. But um, if you're talking about uh, playing a men's soccer game, there's no need for Baylor to put their men's soccer team on a plane to go play Central Florida and Texas, which is 90 minutes away to put their men's soccer team on a on a plane and fly to Florida to play them. They could be on the same plane when you could just have a little bus. So I would probably regionalize Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, you know, deep, so whatever you do and uh, break it up that way. And then have your football and your men's basketball uh, leagues that work uh, in, in conjunction to that.
3: The ACC reaching out apparently to uh, Stanford and Cal. Yeah. Is that real?
4: Nothing says Atlantic coast I know uh Dan like the the fog coming in off the San francisco bay um it's real uh because why not um if you're and so there's an example of maybe you just add football but but Stanford and Cal need something for their their Olympic programs because they're those teams are are top of the class national championship caliber, and they need competition the the closest they can get is the a c c uh, it's real, I don't know if it happens um you somehow have to come up with a cost ability to send people but but Stanford and Cal are in a world of of trouble trying to find equal talent for their their soccer their volleyball their swimming programs that are are as good as any in the country uh the concept of putting someone flying three thousand miles for every single road game is uh lunacy I mean look if you're going to one of those schools Cal or Stanford, you are. Almost by definition, academically minded. You, the last thing you want to be when you're at Stanford is not at Stanford, missing the classes, <laughs> being exhausted, flying back because you had a had a, a volleyball game at, at Virginia Tech last night. Um, those things would just seem. I mean, this is not college athletics in any form.
3: Why wouldn't Stanford just go independent?
4: They can, but it'd be pretty much the similar thing. Their problem is they'll get almost no football television revenue. It works for Notre Dame because NBC is willing to pay them. Yeah. And then they got an NBC deal coming in two years. That'll probably be more. They can fund their athletic department off of football. Stanford's not going to that people aren't going to pay for Stanford home games the way they pay for Notre Dame home games.
3: We're talking to Dan Wetzel, Yahoo sports columnist, um, trying to figure out, it feels like if there's another domino or two, it's uh, with Florida state and Clemson. And I was told you know, the SEC may just block this so the Big Ten doesn't get into their footprint there with Florida State and Clemson. I don't know what happens with the ACC. I don't, you know, there's contracts, but we've seen those contracts broken. It feels like Florida State is adamant that they're, they're out of there. The question is when, and then what's the SEC do or what's the Big Ten do? feels like those are the only two players here. What do you think happens with these schools?
4: There's definitely one more round here, the other being Notre Dame. Does Notre Dame ever have to join? And the SEC and Big Ten will wage, uh, no pun intended, a holy war trying to get Notre Dame, to convince Notre Dame they should join their league and the other. Um, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina is very appealing to these leagues. Uh, Virginia, here's the thing. I just announced six schools that are all very appealing. They all play football against each other. There should be room. For a third uh, league, you know, you still have Duke bass, Duke and Carolina basketball. I mean, imagine a league, w- imagine a world where we know football destroys the Carolina Duke basketball rivalry. Now they could still play twice a year and stuff, but some of this just doesn't, you know, it's it, it's it's hard to it's hard to deal with. Um, right now, the ACC is is stuck with each other, and Florida State is raising a lot of noise, but and they say we're going to get out. If they could get out, they'd be out. Uh, they don't have a way out uh they're they're not bluffing but this deal runs through 2036 and it is uh so even you know over the next few years and I know this is hopelessly naive and you can have me back on to heckle me in like two minutes when we've announced Clemson and Florida State have left (laughs) but it seems like they're stuck and so that's where you're at I will say this the SEC is quite happy with where they're at they're adding Texas and Oklahoma they have 16 teams they have they win all the championships. They have an enormous amount of money coming in. Their league still makes sense. It's still a southern-based, big state school league uh, pr- pretty much. It's the Big Ten that's that's just all over the map. And, and it, the Big Ten is like a house that keeps adding on additions but bringing in different architects. So they brought in Rutgers and Maryland. They're on the East Coast for basic cable homes 10 years ago. Now they're out west with four teams. They brought Nebraska in to be a national power and and when she helped push Ohio State and Michigan. They, they've had seven straight losing seasons. The Big Ten one is all over the map. The SEC is very purposeful. It's basically worked. Um, it's going fine. And they're kind of looking back, laughing and going, when we want somebody, we're going to go get them. But you are right. At some point, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina is, again, very, very appealing because of the size of the market, the academics, and then Notre Dame. That's going to be, that's going to be the next wave. Uh, they just released the poll yesterday. Preseason poll: uh, eleven of the fifteen top fifteen are in either the SEC or the new SEC or the new Big Ten starting next year. <laughs> and then there's Notre Dame, and then there's three others. So the, the 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 two super conferences are either here or essentially here.
3: Plus, wait till March Madness when these conferences dominate. You know the number of schools that get into March Madness. You know
4: that they will dominate some but like the Big 12 and the Big East and Gonzaga basketball is a different thing and that's and that's why cuz you can say look um Minnesota has uh you know 70 million dollars in revenue coming in every year but Connecticut's 2 hours from New York City so there's other things that make this work the Big 12 will be the best basketball conference not only do they have Baylor and Kansas and and I said, they just added Arizona, Arizona yeah. and all these things. So ba- basketball is its own thing. Hockey, That's is why I'm saying hockey is its own thing. Let football be its own thing. Let baseball be its own thing. Let, let, you know, women's field hockey be. There's no sense. And we've seen this with Boston College. It's never made any sense that Boston College sends their tennis team to play Florida State when they could get on a bus and ride down to Providence College and have a nice, nice match on, on Tuesday afternoon. and Never gets back to campus.
3: But that would make sense, Dan. And. College, uh, college sports does not make sense.
4: No one is in charge. It makes
3: money. You it, should be in charge. Yeah. You should be in charge. <laughs> yeah, Dan. exactly. That's what I want to do when I retire. Uh, great to talk to you, Dan. Thanks for joining us.
4: Always fun. Thanks, and Dan. That's
3: Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National columnist. He's always got some ideas here on how to make things better. It's just I don't know if there's any real think tank that they get together and they go, okay, what would actually be the be, would be better for college athletics? Not my school individually, but, you know, the totality of college athletics. And get these, you know, commissioners or presidents or chancellors, and they actually talk and they go, okay, how do we solve this? How do we do something that doesn't mean we're trying to squeeze out the very last dollar? And it'll never happen because it's about survival of the fittest. I mean, Cal and Stanford aren't a package deal. I don't know what's going to happen to Washington State or Oregon State. I mean, nobody's looking out for them because everybody's looking out for the big names. Who who makes – who's going to provide revenue here? Yeah,
2: see Isn't it more survival of the fattest? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Paul.
1: I see what you're saying. You would love for one person to come out and be like that. I, there were some stories no, last grew, week. it could be a, a think tank. It would, but it, you would have to pass on money, which means you're going to be out of a job. Like, Let's say hypothetically, I saw a story last week that on Friday – the uh, athletic director or the president, I think it was the president of Arizona State University, wanted to stay true to the Pac-12. If he would have done that, he'd be out in the cold right now. He'd be sitting there all by himself, out in the cold in whatever's left of the Pac-12. And he would have been probably praised for it, but he'd probably have been replaced once the Board of Regents or something said, this guy passed on how much money for a university?
3: Yeah, but, I mean, college athletics is just cannibalizing itself. I mean, right in front of us. They're doing it. These are grown men, educated men, and they're all falling all over themselves, embarrassing themselves. And what the Pac-12 did is criminal. Okay, you got the Big 12. Make it a, you know, there. That's you're going to be basketball or the ACC's basketball. But what Dan brings up is why not just regionalize the other sports? The football team travels once a week. They may have seven or eight road games. Right? Right. Basketball team, you're going to be, you know, on the road a lot more. But the other sports don't need to be traveling all over. You want competition. You want to be able to go to Cal or Stanford or USC or UCLA so your family can see you play. Not, hey, I'm going to Piscataway. Yeah, not going to make that trip. Yeah, Seton.
2: I love that the solution to this problem is creating regionalized conferences. Uh, Yeah, like the Southeastern Conference, (laughs) like exactly the way it used to be. That's the solution. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. By the way, I got the uh, preseason rankings in case you're curious. Uh, Georgia got 61 votes. The coaches poll, they got 61 out of 66 votes. Then it's Michigan. Alabama got four votes. Ohio State got one. LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee, Washington, Texas, Notre Dame, Utah, and then Oregon. Um, and you still have the Pac-12 playing as the Pac-12 this year. It's just bizarre. It just is. You know, Oklahoma and Texas playing in the Big 12 before they go to the
2: SEC. It's just wild, wild. Oh, yes, he... It is odd when you think about all of the individual sports that make up college athletics. And if you just, I know that this isn't exactly the same thing, but could you imagine if, like, the Yankees, Mets, Nets, Knicks, Giants, Jets, NYCFC, Red Bull, Islanders, Rangers, Devils, all had to operate under the same structure or all had to yeah, figure out, well, we can only play the same cities or something. I mean, we have individual leagues. It, it totally works. You'd
3: have your football team and your baseball team and your basketball team, your soccer team, but they're going to be all traveling in the same area or the same conference. Or now, now right. you're going to play all your games out west. Uh, you know, your road games are all
2: out west. Just keeping those schedules compact into yeah. a region is fiscally the only way to really help save a lot of these sports. And I don't think anybody would have a problem with
3: these other sports who are going to be regional as far as their opponents. It just makes sense. And, you know, we're looking at cost-cutting measures, but we're also looking to cash in. You can't have both. There's going to be sports that are going to get cut. And I know somebody's not going to you know have, call me a bleeding heart because, uh, you know, volleyball is going to get cut or crew is going to get cut. Well, you know, those are important programs, and those are your student-athletes, the true student-athlete there. But this is... College foot and the NCAA has not been heard from, not a peep, because it's basically a toll booth where you don't even pay the toll, you just go through it. Like, you know, hey, there's a camera here, we're gonna catch you. Yes, yeah, see you later. Unless you leave money, you know, that's that's what's going on with the NCAA. It's like, uh, what's going on here? Uh, you know, the Pac 12 is dead, really? How, when did that happen?
2: Yes, and it feels like all of those sports are, are like it's okay to lose those because now Georgia's not going to open the season with Crappensburg State anymore. And it's
3: like, <laughs> yeah, worth it, totally
1: worth it. Good squad, Crappensburg. Yeah, almost won one like, play.
3: Yeah, yeah, Crappensburg. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Used to be University of Crappensburg. You know, yeah. Now it's Crappensburg. State <laughs> University of Crappensburg. That's a <laughs> fierce <laughs> interstate
3: rivalry. That's
2: going to go away now.
3: Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. We were just talking about spring training. Miller Lite. Get it delivered to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces.
2: You know what I did last summer? I went to Italy and it was awesome. And you know what I did before that that was even more awesomer? For 10% off your first booking on the app, one app, over 300,000 travel experiences, you'll remember. Do
5: more with Viator. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. He's
3: Booger McFarlane, two-time Super Bowl champ, works for the Mothership covering the NFL and college football. Give me the storyline that you're interested in with Hard Knocks and the Jets debuting tonight.
6: Uh, Just to see how much they're going to show us, DP. Uh, I I think we're all fascinated with the fact that Aaron Rodgers is in New York, the expectations, the defense, that they could just get some offense. Now he comes in. Um, I I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the people in the National Football League that's very intriguing because he thinks differently than most people do. And and so I I think everyone is wondering, are we going to get a sneak peek under the hood at the process that makes him go? Are we going to get any insightful things uh, from his perspective? I think, you know, everybody kind of knows Sauce Gardner and he's flashy in the defense and Robert Sala and kind of the makeup. But I think Aaron Rodgers is the reason that everybody's going to tune in to see if they get a sneak peek at what makes this guy go. Because the little that we've gotten on Pat McAfee um, on their Tuesday interview, I think has us all very, very uh, curious just to know more. Compare
3: training camp for a veteran to a rookie.
6: Um, You know, that, that that's one way to look at it. I think I'll break it down even further. Uh, training camp for a, a veteran, you know what to expect. You understand uh, what your role is usually coming into camp because a, a veteran player is kind of already established. You know, the rookie, especially the rookie first rounder, uh has some of those same sentiments but you don't really know because you're trying to figure out what's going to be my role uh everybody's going to be looking at me because you're a new player so even when even when you're doing a rep everybody's gonna be paying attention to the rookie or the new guy just to see what they can do because football is a collision sport man it's played with pads on like all the stuff we've done up until now has been cool to run around in shorts and look good and post instagram and tiktok videos but when the pads go on there's the legitimate feeling That you could get your head knocked off and that's when the game of football is played so for a a, a veteran it's it's kind of reestablishing who you are for a rookie you got to let everyone know where you come from and then to the point that i was making to go a little further training camp now is so different than it was when i when i played so my first training camp i held out for two days and the very first day i got there we were in full pads it was full pads in the morning full pads in the afternoon well here's the deal dp now they got this thing they called an acclimation period. I'm not sure what the hell it, it means because it's gonna be hot regardless, but you gotta to acclimate to the heat and acclimate to football. Uh, the same thing we've been playing for 15 years. So it's so much easier now. Like these guys can't go full pads back to back. They can't go full pads the first f- five or six days. Uh, it's really not training camp. It's more of a kind of get together, let's hang out for a couple of weeks and, and, and we're gonna practice once every other day And try to get this thing figured out so it's it's so much different between rookie and 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 veteran and it's also so much different between now and then
3: was it ever personal with you with a quarterback that you didn't like
6: uh no like it, it was more personal with me with the guy that i went against across from me like i i used to have to line up against guards and and like when you're a defensive tackle going against an offensive lineman you're really never going to get a lot of one-on-one blocks. So it's always going to be double teams. And it used to bother me. I'm like, so these dudes are professional. They get paid a lot of money, but they can't individually block me one-on-one every single play. And so, like, that, that really used to tick me off. Just the inherent nature of the position I played and how the offensive lineman would block us would really kind of rub me the wrong way. But quarterbacks doing their job, man. Like, I didn't like any of them. Um, especially the ones that got rid of the ball quick. Brady, Manning, those guys that didn't hold a football. Uh, you love going against a guy that was a bomb, a guy who held the football because you knew it was going to be a good day for you. <laughs> but overall, like, quarterbacks are who they are. But but uh, who's the lineman
3: you, you really personally hated?
6: Uh, Kevin Gogan was one. Um, Larry Allen was another one. Um, but were they cheap shot artists? Like, what, what would make you hate?
3: that guy that it wasn't just, it was, it became personal.
6: Well, I, it was personal because of the position, as I stated, uh, Gogan was a cheap shot guy. Like I think it's been really, uh, documented some of the cheap shots that, that he took and some of the dirty play that he had, um, you know, Todd Stussy was another guy, guys that just got under your skin. Like there's, there's this thing in the NFL talk about playing to the echo of the whistle. Well, some offensive linemen would do that, and, and, and they would give you a little nudge, a little cheap shot. Like, listen, big guy, you had three and a half seconds to block, man. You couldn't do it. And so now after the play, you want to give me a little nudge. like, And, and, and they do it just to get under your skin. So, um, But, yeah, I, I don't like any of them, man, just because. I mean, these dudes are big. They're usually bad built, and they always need help to do their job.
3: Talking to Booger McFarland, two-time Super Bowl champ and uh, analyst for ESPN, NFL and College Football. Uh, You had uh, Jamar Chase say, if Joe Burrow's not 100%, he wouldn't have a problem with him maybe sitting out the first five games of the regular season. I know that they don't have great competition in four of those five games, but you're still playing the Browns and Ravens to start off your season. Uh, Your thoughts on trying to protect Joe Burrow for as long as you can?
6: Well, I completely agree, because with Joe Burrow, they can win the Super Bowl. Without him, they're just a middle-of-the-pack team. And so... Uh, fortunately, time, you know, right now they had a gift of time. It's what, August the 8th. Uh, they don't play a meaningful game for over a month. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Joe Burrow on the practice field until Wednesday of game week. Oh. Uh, he doesn't need to be out there. Yeah, he might be a little rusty, but I'd rather have Joe Burrow rusty for game one than to come back too early and re-injure that, and now he starts missing uh, a significant part of the season. Uh, Even if he's got to miss the first game or two, I'm still fine with that. Like, it's a 17-game season over the course of 18 weeks. Uh, I think his sentiment that I don't want to see Joe Burrow back until he is as healthy as possible is one that a lot of people in that organization share.
3: Dalvin Cook still out, outside looking in. Zeke Elliott on the outside looking in. Um, Is this an anomaly, or do you think this is going to be a growing trend in the offseason in years to come?
6: Yeah, I think the running back position, as we talked about, has been devalued. Um, I, I think that you're going to see uh, a lot of the veteran running backs that want a lot of money, they're going to have to kind of wait until some team kind of bites, like it's supply and demand. And so if I got a guy that I drafted in the third or fourth round that I feel can do the same job or, or just as as good a job as a guy like Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott, why am I going to go out and pay – you know, seven, eight million for either one of those guys. And so I think for Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott, they're both going to be on opening day rosters. I think they're both going to play a, a vital role uh, with some team. I think Dalvin Cook has more juice left in the tank, four straight seasons, over a 1,000 yards. He's only 27 years old. Think about that, DP. Hmm. Think about if somebody told you at 27 you were no good. Like at 27, I wasn't even stretching. I, I, I just touched my toes and got and, and, and went to work. And now at 27, they're saying that these guys, are kind of washed up. So uh, it's a a very, very difficult predicament to be in. I do think Dalvin Cook is going to be a starter at some point in this league. He's just got too much juice left in the tank. But I kind of feel for Zeke, though, because if Zeke doesn't go to maybe Dallas, I know New England has kind of uh, brought him in. Like, where does Zeke go and how much money is he going to have to settle for? At some point, they're going to have to swallow their pride. Uh, Zeke, I think, and say, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go play for a one year deal for I don't know two or three million bucks, which is a far cry from what Jerry paid him in Dallas.
3: How much do you think you would earn now if you were picking LSU?
6: Uh, wow, uh, a lot of money because.
3: Well, what's the and, going rate for a defensive tackle?
6: Well, I I, I think the going rate for a a five star defensive tackle <laughs> is, is probably. I, I don't know, probably probably a million bucks a year at least. Okay. I mean, think about that. Think about that, DP. I was a, I was a three-, four-star guy coming out of Louisiana, and my first two years at LSU, there were several several weekends where I had five bucks to my name, the training table wasn't open, and I was eating ramen noodles and Chinese food all weekend. Now these guys got a million dollars in the bank. Uh, they're the toast of the town and they're getting that in high school not in college like these guys are being paid in high school once they commit to shut down their recruiting until signing day and then once you get to the school to, of your choice you're getting paid even more money so uh i was born just a little bit too early uh but i don't envy these guys because more money comes more problems and when i got to the nfl at 21 i didn't really understand that statement but i quickly mm-hmm. learned that the more money I got, the more he- headaches came. So I can only imagine what these kids at 17 are dealing with when they got a million bucks in the bank, they're 17 years old, and they got to go to school. Oh, oh! by the way, you're still 17 and you're a kid, but now you got to deal with the issues that 21-year-old adults have to deal with. I don't envy that at all.
3: Who's got a better Louisiana accent, you or Brian Kelly? Uh,
6: well, I'm a country boy from Louisiana. So my accent is really kind of not really Southern and not really Cajun. So I could really teach BK a little bit uh, about how to get it a little better. Although here's what I will say, I will give him credit for trying. (laughs) I will give him credit also for acknowledging that it was terrible. Uh, But all jokes aside, he's been exactly what LSU has needed, which is an adult in the room. Somebody that can be a CEO type of, of of a major powerhouse program, and we'll see what he does with expectations. Ten wins year one, we'll see what he does in year two with the preseason ranking of number five. But he didn't have to give an accent. You don't have to. If I if
3: I go down to Louisiana, I don't all of a sudden you know start talking. And we haven't even won all of our
6: games. Yes, uh, but I mean, he, he really sounded like a, a Louisiana guy from nineteen. 19- 50 uh you know know, putting on the smoker's jacket grabbing a cigar sitting on the front porch so if 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 he really wanted to do it Mm. he should have picked up a bowl of crawfish etouffee and, and just kind of start uh using that french cajun cuisine
3: great to talk to you booger hope you're doing well hope the golf game is good
6: dp i'm doing great man the golf game is excellent um I'm enjoying life, ready for football season to start, man. And and this year, here's one promise I can make you. Okay. I will make a meat Friday because we've been talking about this for several years. I will make a meat Friday this year. You let me know what I'm you doing. want.
3: You let me know what you want, and then we'll cook it on
6: the Traeger Grill. I'm looking forward to sausage, beef brisket, okay. and maybe just a little bit of uh maybe just a little bit of tri tip.
3: Okay. We can do that for you. Just give me give me advance notice here, like a day or so, and then we'll uh, we'll cook it up.
6: We'll do, buddy. Always. All right,
3: thank you, Booger. Yes, Paul.
1: Yeah, I bet he can get after it too. Yeah, I
3: know. would think so. Yeah. That's a hell of a day right there. That that's uh, sausage biscuit. Yeah, Kel- yeah, Sheepers. Yeah, let's start laying groundwork. Lay some get groundwork. Booger down uh, here, man cave. Let him uh, try what we pull off the Traeger grill. Our training camp meals every day. Brian Kelly. I haven't heard the accent, though. Has he stopped doing that? I feel like he's dropped it. Yeah. Has I he? I feel like it was temporary. Yeah. Yeah. I felt bad for him in the moment because locally maybe it played, but it was national where people went, wait, what What? what happened with BK? How long has he been in uh, Louisiana? Uh, I think he's only been there 48 hours. Wow. All my
4: life. <laughs> yeah, Marvin. Will that happen to anybody here when we go to Ireland?
1: Yes.
3: Yes, it will me. Yes, it will. I All of a sudden, you get to Dublin, and then all of a sudden it changes. Are you going
1: to pull out your mobile phone?
3: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: make, text some people? Are you going to ring people up? Thanks for listening to the
3: Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app.
6: A man fully invested in seeing people reach their fullest potential. And we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: There's nothing like a great night's sleep. Every great day starts the night before. Quality sleep can help boost your reaction time and recovery time and performance. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your one-of-a-kind, ever-evolving sleep needs. So, how do you take it to the next level? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you choose the ideal comfort, the firmness on each side. Two beds in one, that's your sleep number. Mine is 75. The beds automatically respond and adjust your movements, so you stay sleeping comfortably all night long. Amazing after a tough workout. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep. They provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. It's like having a coach for a great night's sleep. And right now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. See store for details. the Premier League is back Saturday on NBC, streaming on Peacock. Head to Northwest England, where the surprise club of last season, who wants to guess the surprise team of last year in the Premier League? Seton O'Connor. Surprise team? Newcastle?
6: Blue, bloop, bloop! bloop. You did it. Vavos.
3: You did it. Newcastle looks to continue their great form, taking on Aston Villa. 1230 Eastern on NBC. And Peacock. Poll question for the final hour of this program is going to be what? Seaton O'Connor?
2: Dan, we actually just put up a fun one here uh, based off of, uh, well, shockingly, something Todd has going on right now. What do you have going on right now, Todd? Do you feel lucky when a day and month of the calendar year are the same number? Yes, of course I do. Or yes, of course, like who doesn't? Mm. Or what? No. Right now, what? No has 88% of the
4: Wow. (laughs) I'm so upset by that. You're the only one. People like numerology. I didn't 88% think that's nothing special about
2: 88. Uh, eight? 88%? Oh! Eight. Don't think. Oh! Now I, just, There's okay. Hello? now
0: I just realized. Now it's There's more on your side
4: than you realize. That's perfect. 88%, okay.
3: 877-3DP-SHOW. <laughs> Operator Tyler's sitting by, taking your phone calls. And uh, we say good morning to those watching on Peacock and... Uh, our radio partner is numbering nearly 400 cities that carry this. I used to say the award-nominated program. We weren't nominated this last year. So formally, uh, award-nominated program. A wordy. Yeah, it is. A little wordy there. He's Ryan Leaf. He's a college football analyst, NFL analyst, and he's doing some uh, a lot of things with Westwood One, Sirius XM, and the former number two overall pick by the Chargers, the 1998 draft. Did you care about numerology? Like when you picked your number when you played in college or the pros, how important was that?
7: Uh, it, it all started in high school, and I wanted my dad's number. My dad wore number 14, and so coach lays out all the jerseys out on the bleachers, and it's first come, first serve. And this, this little kid who was not going to play and was not going to, you know, whatever, picks up 14. And I, I, I looked at him, and I said, hey, you know, that's my dad's number. Can I... And he flat out, you know, you know, said no, and so the only number left was the quarterback number was sixteen, and so I took it, and that's what I wore the rest of my life.
3: Did you want to change it at any point?
7: once I had it, you know, once I had it i you know somebody started using this the kind of the the moniker sweet sixteen and and so i I rolled with it. It
3: still sounds like you're bothered by this kid who took fourteen. I even remember his name. His name was Bill Clark. Oh, Bill Clark. Paulie. Yeah. Paulie, where Tra- is Bill Clark Track right now? Track down Bill Clark. We're all yeah. over it. Yeah. yeah. He, he's not sitting in a man cave being interviewed by me. That's for sure. Um, what's going on with Washington State? You're oh. on the monitor. What, what's, uh, what's the future there? It's devastating. Uh, I mean, this was
7: an inevitability. It, it really was. We're on the precipice of the National Collegiate Football League. We just, we are going to be two conferences, between 18 to 22 teams, most likely, that can afford to be in there. The media rights deal. It's going to be its own separate entity, probably no NCAA. Uh, and they're going to make a lot of money doing it. Um, and they're going to be teams that are relegated. And it just started sooner rather than later. I thought we may have a few more years. But the writing was on the wall last year. It just it, it was. And the fact that George Kleofkoff and the Board of Governors did not move on that deal much faster and allowed things to play out, allowed the Big 12 to really gain some momentum after what went down last year, it, it really led to this. You, you, didn't, you couldn't have been too surprised. Now, talking with President Schultz, who was the head of it from Washington State, he said that he had everybody back to the table um, uh, Friday morning. And then right before the meeting started, Arizona was like that one holdout. And they got him back to the table. They were going to sign the grant of rights deal to the Pac-12 conference in Oregon and Washington came in and said, we're going to take the the Big Ten deal. They were just too fearful of the streaming aspect of everything. All right.
3: So what's the time frame here, realistic time frame, that you think we have the NFL model of college football?
7: Well, uh, how quickly it's escalated over two years ago when Oklahoma and Texas went to the ACC, and then USC and UCLA and then what, what completely
3: evaporated, uh, I would suspect, within the next five years. And it feels like it's going to be Big Ten commission. You, you could have... Two commissioners, the Big Ten commissioner and the SEC commissioner, and they could oversee like the AFC and the NFC if you wanted to.
7: You could, but I ultimately think there'll be one czar. Okay, yeah, whoever that may look like, Um, you know, the Big Ten commissioner right now is new, of course, after Warren took the job with the
3: Bears uh, and and what the SEC has accomplished. But he's a TV guy, the Big Ten commissioner. Yes, like you, that's what you need. You got to have TV has changed, changed college athletics, changed college football. I don't know if it's gonna be for the good because I always think about this. I get caught up in it because I'm a member of the media and I have to look at both sides. If you're a fan, is it good for you what is happening now?
7: Well, I think you're gonna get good football. I mean I I just got the the Big Twelves game of the week, you know, with ESPN on the streaming service that they have, ESPN Plus. So I'm gonna get to go down and get some really good Big Twelve games. Some Pac 12 teams are gonna be involved with it in the next few years, you know, a lot more games. So I think we're going to have some interesting, good football games. So that doesn't bother me. What bothers me of course, is the history, the legacy, all those things that exist from when, when I was a kid growing up, you know, the Rose bowl was going away anyway, it was going to this playoff and it was not going to be used as the traditional big 10 pack 12, uh, game anymore. And that, that was unfortunate. I, I, I just love the venue and I love the game. I don't necessarily care who's playing in it, but yeah, it's, as a as a fan who's consuming it, it's got to be difficult. And I've had a lot of former players reach out to me over the
3: last couple of days, just you know, just in disbelief. Yeah, I just I wonder if you're a fan that you they don't care that the volleyball team has to go to you know Piscataway and play Rutgers, or the baseball team might be put out by going someplace. It's basically what do you ha- what do you have for me? And if the menu is still great. You know, maybe there's less items on the menu, but the menu is strengthened because there are going to be some good matchups. You get USC and UCLA and the Big Ten, and you get matchups that you didn't have before. I'm just curious what happens with Florida State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. At what point do they say, we are we going to stay where we are? Can we stay where we are? Is it time to make that move? Well, I think Florida
7: State pretty much told the world it's time to make that move. And um, I tell you what, if they go out this year and play like I think they are, um, you know, and and get back to the championship level caliber team they are with Mike Nor- uh, Norvell and Jordan Travis the quarterback, that's that's going to speak volumes. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see them in the SEC you know, pretty darn quick here. And then that's the domino that continues to fall. The ACC starts to crumble. You look at the two sides of things, and then the NCAA becomes, you know, essentially what they are—just a giant. Party planning group every March, <laughs>
3: and, uh, and and we move away from from all of that. I've I've heard some uh, former quarterbacks talk about even Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets GM, saying he would not start a rookie quarterback, not under any circumstances, week one. Mm-hmm. Where where we are with quarterbacks coming out of college, and you know it's already a professional you know system that they're running. Um, I know Mahomes didn't. You know, when he came out, and Carson Palmer, you know, we've had a lot of guys who didn't start uh, Steve McNair. But where are we right now with the state of quarterbacking? C.J. Stroud, should he be starting week one? Bryce Young, should he be starting week one? I mean, it clearly looks like uh, they've, uh, they've
7: adjusted to what they're being asked to do. But we all felt that way. I mean, going into my first game, everybody was really confident with what I had been doing in practice, you know, and how we were moving along. And in fact, we went out and won our first two starts. I didn't play, you know, particularly well. Uh, Did you know what you were doing? Yeah, I mean, I knew what I was doing, but the things that I... I was thinking too much. And, And when you step out on a football field... When you're going through the offense, you don't want to be thinking about anything other than what you may see with them doing defensively. That's all you want to think about. You don't want to think about, what did I call on the snap count? What protection did I put here? What happens if this safety comes down? Do I move the back over here to protect me on this side? That's just got to be second nature. And that's what happens when you've been in a system that long. You look at players like, I mean, Peyton Manning played his entire career in the same offense. Tom Moore, that offense, it's never changed. Even with Adam Gase that came along, that was Peyton, what he was doing uh, and, and making changes on his own so when you have that ability that's a big part of it so would you would you start CJ
3: Stroud for a bad team?
7: I don't think Houston's that bad of a team though so I think their offensive line may be one of the best in the in the in the league and if you have a good offensive line a rookie quarterback can he's gonna hold the ball longer than most guys do you just look at the the trajectory of where Tom Brady was in year one two three and what he looked like in year you know 15 where the ball was out like that. So you have to—that's a learning progression. You used to be able to hold the ball back there, pad a little bit in college, you know, take your time. Pros you got to get rid of it. And he's a really good offensive line, so I don't have a problem with that. All I—the only problem I always have is how involved the teams are on when it goes bad, when failure does happen, because no one, as we've talked about this before, can
3: uh, quantify that variable. You just don't know. It well, hasn't not, happened. Not many of these guys have faced failure. No. like you're playing at Ohio State or Alabama. Okay, may have lost one game or two games in a season. And then he goes back to, you go look at Bryce Young, go back to modern day where you just dominate in Southern Cal all, all the time. So. And that's always what I want to see from a young quarterback. When you throw the interception, when you get sacked, now what, you, what do you do? Not when you throw a touchdown, because the true adversity of the position is, and everybody faces it, what happens when you, know, you get knocked on your rear end?
7: Yeah. And, and you just, you don't know what that's going to be like. Um, And um, especially when you have to step up to the mic after the game, that's even a bigger thing, right? To take ownership of something that you may not feel was your fault, but since you're the quarterback and you're the leader, it is. And also uh, when you're embarrassed and humiliated, because like you said, these guys haven't been embarrassed and humiliated playing in a game in front of everybody. Like, you're used to being so good at what you do. What happens when you step out there and have a game like I did against Kansas City? My my third game and it's just embarrassing. And you're so humiliated that you just you regress to this defensive position and just, you know, back yourself into a corner, start fighting. And it of course it completely backfired on me and it's just always dependent on these these players and then how is a team going to back you and support you in that process? Well, when
3: do you start thinking about the post-game press conference while you're in the game and you have a bad game you don't and you don't even think
7: about it you don't even think about it in the locker all of a sudden it's just like this thing that slaps you in the face and you're standing in front of a microphone, and you have these people just going, "You sucked what How did this happen you know, and then you look at the guy and you, you think. You know, he's about, you know, 280 pounds and five foot four and never played a game of football. And you're just like, oh, I am so much superior that you stop asking me stupid questions, little man. And that doesn't work out yeah, well no for it anybody. Does it. No, no, it no. does not.
3: <laughs> I know it didn't work out for somebody I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jamar Chase said that he would have no problem with Joe Burrow sitting out for maybe the first five games of the regular season. What do you think?
7: Well, I mean, that, that tells me a little bit more maybe about the injury you know yes um but he's so darn good it just depends this AFC is so loaded and we've talked about it ever since I was here doing the show when we talked about Lamar Jackson it was such a up in the air thing on where he was going to be if he was going to be back to Baltimore there are probably 10 or 11 teams that I would consider playoff caliber teams there's going to be four that don't get in and you're talking about quarterbacks like Lamar Justin Herbert Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers possibly Tua a all these guys so if you you know if if you put yourself in a five game hole you know in a division like the AFC North which is going to be brutally competitive you want to be the one seed you don't want to go to Kansas City again they've had to do it for the last 5 years everybody has you want to be the one seed you don't want to be the five seed yeah and so uh, that's a big part of it. You know, you have to have 13, maybe possibly 14 wins, I think, in the AFC to have the number one overall seed this year.
3: Well, things, I keep bringing this up because everybody, you know, we, we kind of filter how we want to filter. It's like, uh, hey, I'm going to believe that story. It goes back to OBJ when the Cowboys wanted him. And, and I, I asked the question on the show I said, can he even play? Is he healthy enough to play? And, it, you know, that was what was true. Nobody wanted to f- focus on that. Yeah. He's not even going to play. Hey, we need talking points. We can mention the Cowboys here. So you start to think about the AFC East. I think one team gets to the playoffs out of the AFC East. Do you? Yes, because the AFC East is tough. You play the NFC East and the AFC West. Well, how many wins are you going to need to win that division? And is that going to be good enough to make the wild? You know, have a wild card team there? am I, I, It's going to be tough sledding here. Buffalo, we know, is good. Miami is good. The Jets. It should be good. Should be good. Yes. See, you know, and New England will be competitive. You know, they may be average, but still, that's that's a pretty tough division, top to bottom. Nobody's factoring that in. They're like, man, the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I, would you argue that's mostly Jets fans? No, no, no. It's the national media.
7: Is it really? Oh my God. I have not been. I think I'm just so in my own head. When you it comes can't to
3: watch it. any of these shows without oh, I, knowing yeah. it's going to be about Dak.
7: Well, you got Greeny and, and you got Eisen and they're freaking Jets fans. And yes. so they, you know, I, I start talking about the reality, like you said, uh, of what's real here, and Jets fans lose their collective minds. <laughs> I mean, I swear, it's like I'm. I've come to
3: the
1: they point
7: could
3: be a year early yes which is is strange to sound with Rodgers at his his age but I think that's why he's saying I'm going to play here for a few years I think he realizes if we do catch lightning in a bottle it uh, could be amazing but give me a, a full year with this lineup and you know then I think that we might be really formidable do you imagine uh,
7: <laughs> us not being in the same position next year uh, off season with him deciding will he or won't he if they don't go to the playoffs and if they don't, I, the I can't. Junior. I can't
3: even think about it. Yet. I do. I can't. I think that's I, what it is. I can't. Wait. What do you think happens? I think we just see the same thing we've have happened. The if last they don't years. make the playoffs, is Aaron Rodgers doing the? I don't know. I got to go into the darkness dark, and make yeah. a,
7: make a decision. I do. I mean, I think that's just. I think that's just kind of how he works. And I, I don't fault it
3: necessarily. Have but, you been, in, uh, have you gone into the dark place? Like, well, you've been in a dark place. In a very dark place. <laughs> you, you, it was called jail. I spent three years <laughs> in that dark place.
7: Um, you know, it's, I do a lot of meditating now, you know, and I, I try Would to. Would you have done what Rogers did? I couldn't do it for that long. You know, I, I spend, I'll spend, you know, 30 minutes in a, in a room right now where I, everything's shut off. I just close my eyes and I just I meditate. I I couldn't do what he did. I a day do that. And a half. It's
3: called a nap.
7: I mean, but my mind starts <laughs> dreaming about and fantasizing about stupid stuff when I'm when I'm sleeping. It's not it's not the productive
3: type of stuff. Wait, what are you fantasizing about? Uh golf simulators.
7: <laughs> Big time. We're remodeling right now. We're putting one in. Nice. Yep. Uh, how much weight do you lost? Uh since 2020, like, like 80, 85 pounds is 2020. Wow. So, I, you know, we've been working at this for a while. Um, I'm going to be an old dad. My kid's going to be, uh, I'm going to be in my mid-60s when they graduate from high school. Um, and so I just, you know, the NFL does a really good thing with the NFL PA and they send us down to New Orleans, to Tulane University, the medical school there, and we go through a huge brain and body scan. I just did it last week. Yeah. And... um. And, you know, they take probably it's probably six figures worth of medical testing you get for free. It's amazing. And it's, you know, I'm very critical of the NFL and the NFLPA all the time. But so I think it's really important that I talk about the good stuff they're doing for us former players in that aspect of things, because they use this one ultrasound on your heart where they can actually see inside the ventricles and see how really the plaque is. Otherwise, you you don't know that unless you have it cracked open and they're able to see that because that's the thing that that kills a lot of us. We don't know. Uh, what's going on there. So I got a lot of good feedback. They had the numbers from 2016 when I went last time and
3: nothing concussion wise, they can't register.
7: They can't really register. But the tumor that I had taken out, which was trauma related was almost, you know, the residual tumor was almost zero, which was, which is amazing. Uh, you know, it's food, it's exercise, uh, it's meditation, it's prayer, it's, uh, nature. Uh, and it's just, uh, I think, you know, just kind of doing the same things I've done over the last 10 years.
3: Well, you look great uh my best dear wife and uh i know you're heading up to see your folks uh uh so you're number one analyst for the uh, big 12 game of the week yeah on uh, espn plus westwood one you're podcasting as well the straight line with uh ryan leaf you're a busy guy there uh thanks for taking some time to join us over here it's always good to see you man. always good to see you guys i appreciate you
7: that's well, right i heard you're retiring though like it's in 2027 four and a half years yeah yeah you know I'm just down the road. If you want to keep doing
3: the show and getting money, I'll do it for like 10 bucks a show if you want. Okay. All right. Easy uh, commute. I'm, uh, I'm not surprised you threw your name in the hopper. Yeah.
7: Yeah. But, 2028?
3: Yeah. Yeah, and but man. there's always Nick Wright, who he's younger.
7: Is he younger? Yeah. He, he looks he, older. He's a lot younger than me. Oh.
3: You. Okay. Thanks. Thank
5: you, Ryan. Yep. All right. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
3: The human soul requires a minimum daily requirement of entertainment, but listening to a podcast like what you're doing now. Yeah, that doesn't count. Welcome to the world of MGM rewards where they have the greatest live shows on earth, the biggest names in sports, the best chefs on the planet and the most unforgettable nights of your life. This is way beyond watching a 20 second clip on your phone. This is all the entertainment you could handle and then some. So Join MGM Rewards now and visit mgmresorts.com to book your next Vegas getaway. Welcome to the
5: show. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum Card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience.
2: Oh, okay, chef.
5: You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say, Nothing. Because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.